Hi, I thought I'd do something a little different today. Most of you are used to hearing me be on the other side of the mic where I'm interviewing my guests and they get to share their stories and journeys about what they've gone through in their past and how they've come through the other side, what they've learned, what they were able to incorporate to get them to come through and become very healthy, stable community members like everyone else is. So I wanted to share with you today that uh, I'm coming on this side of the mic today, and I'm going to share with you a few of my journeys that I've had in the past. Now, I don't know where on earth to start because I have a lifetime of difficulties. Uh, as a lot of you know, I was raised by a mentally unstable person and a father who was a complete alcoholic and a violent alcoholic at that point in time, too. So life was not the greatest when I was a child, and I uh, did experience sibling abuse, and that's a, a very common thing. My sibling was three years older than I am, and until she, until I came along, she was an only child. And, you know, first child they had born live, she was, so that uh, gave her a special, special place in the world, or the grand scheme of things, I guess. But then, you know, I came along three years later and I was born crippled. So I was born with club feet, a fairly common disorder, but not, you know, you don't hear a lot of it that much anymore. So I needed some special care. I needed some special doctors. I needed some special help. I needed special, you know, whatever the case may be. If I was going to be a productive member of society and going to be able to walk and do different things, I need to be able to get my legs straightened. And through the advancements that have been made through sick kids and um, um, rotary clubs and all those sorts of charities, uh, money was money did become available through the Rotary Club of Simcoe. Ontario to actually pay for all of my medical expenses. So all my medical treatments, the casts I had from the time I was 17 days old, I was in full leg casts from toes to hips with a steel bar between my feet, just to keep my feet at a proper distance apart, separated well, keep my legs straight so that they could grow perfectly straight, strong, healthy. Well, yeah, I still wasn't able to walk, but, it, you know, it took a couple of years for that. However, um, I had other ways to exercise because apparently I used to just love, and this is what I'm told, but I loved to lift both legs up at the same time because they were, you know, taped together and just drop the, the casts and the steel bar down on the mattress and make a great big bump and noise. And uh, I guess it... Uh, irritated my sister and and my mother sometimes when she could hear it at the time but uh, it was uh it was my way of doing a core workout a really solid core ab workout and it also strengthened my legs at the same time which you know you can never have strong enough legs but anyway I walked after I was two years old and uh there was no stopping me from that point on. I mean, I had gone back to the doctors and the specialists and had been told to, you know, don't do downward downhill skiing. Don't do this. Don't do that because you may end up fracturing your ankle and then you'll be in an awful lot of trouble. Well, 
not too many of you know me, but at that point in time, I was an extremely stubborn individual and I had to fight for everything I had and wanted in life. So if I wanted to play sports, I was darn well going to play sports and there was nothing anybody was going to say about it that was going to change my mind. So that's what happened to me. I joined every sport there was in school and I'm talking grade school. Uh, I was the star on the basketball team, the volleyball team. I did shot put. I did uh, high jump. I did many other things. I also played on the baseball teams. And, you know, I, I could not find enough physical activity to do to keep my mind solid, my mind sharp, and to take my mind away from the stuff that I was living with at home. See, school life might have been okay. I was doing my work. I wasn't seen as one of the brilliant kids because I was very frustrated when I was doing schoolwork. And uh, it wasn't for the fact that I didn't know how. It was uh, where I came from. My environment was uh, such a negative environment that uh, I'm surprised I'm as normal as I am, really. So I would go home. Uh, typical day, sorry, for me would be to get up in the morning with the sibling in the house uh, parents were already gone to work and this was like 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning uh, we didn't live that far from the school but we had to walk to it anyway and you know what walking never killed anybody rain snow doesn't matter it, it doesn't hurt you and uh, so we would try to get together in the morning for breakfast although my sibling and I we didn't get along she never liked me from the beginning and she was always um, the jealous type that was not the best uh, person to have as a mentor, as an older sister, as a family member even, because she was all very much about herself and a very jealous individual who really needed to have everything her way. And if she couldn't, she did what she could to make it her way. Irregardless, uh, mornings, we had to make our own breakfast. We had to make our own lunch. And I, let me tell you, we were five, I was five years old, she was eight. So that's what we were doing. That's what our jobs were. And, you know, dress, have breakfast, make your lunch, get to school and do your thing for the day. Well, usually there were some fights and arguments about her getting out of the bathroom on time and me not even having a turn to get into the bathroom or standing at her standing at the kitchen cupboard where I couldn't make my lunch and I was late because I was behind and therefore I didn't get my lunch made. And, you know, that became a scenario for me that was, it almost became my, my mantra. I was rarely did I have a lunch. And in our home, there was not much nutritious stuff. It was okay. Grab a pop, grab a sandwich and uh, you know, a snack if you could, but uh, there wasn't really much to, to work with. But most days I did go without breakfast because I couldn't get to the breakfast. And if I didn't get at the door on time, I would get hit physically hit. So um, then I would get in trouble for not following the rules and being you know, not listening to her and being in uh, trouble all the time. So I just went without breakfast, uh, pretended I had a lunch and, you know, went to school. And that's how my days were. I was starved and uh, couldn't always focus and function at school well. Um, I drank a lot of water when I was at school. And uh, there were times that 
you know, you have to go and hide in the bathroom when everyone else is eating because there is no other food. You have no food and everyone's watching and they know, they know more than you think they know. But anyway, no one really paid attention to it until I was in grade eight. My grade eight teacher wanted to know why I didn't have a lunch. And I remember we've had this discussion, he and I, since then, as we've become friends. And uh, it was just, I, I wasn't hungry. All I have is a can of pop. And he said, well, you need to drink that. You need some nutrition. I said, I don't want the so-and-so pop. You have it. And he argued with me about a can of pop. So what I ended up doing, and wrong thing, was I ended up throwing it at him. I was so frustrated by this point in time. I had no, nothing to eat. I didn't want to have this can of pop because sugar would have just set my, my system off like crazy. I just wanted food and I couldn't have any and I, could, I don't have any. And I couldn't say to him that I can't get any because that's the way my parents are, you know. So, oh, goodness. That night... Uh, we went home after school and we had to, you know, be home at the same time so that she could keep control over me and all that fun stuff. And we had to get dinner ready. We had to clean up. We had, if we had time, we could do our homework, um, various things. But, you know, sometimes people are just meant to not get along. And that is what was really going on with my sibling and I. We weren't meant to get along. We didn't like each other. We had to live in the same house. We had to do things together, but we really did not like each other. And there, you know, there's so much jealousy that went on in the world. But uh, I remember that night listening to her rant and rave as we were making dinner that, oh boy, you're going to get in trouble because the teacher's going to call and you're going to get in trouble. And I'm panicking, you know, thinking, oh, boy, now what did I do just because I wouldn't eat my lunch and all this sort of thing. And sure enough, the parents came home. She was in a miserable mood, which she usually was. He was fine. All right. Whatever. Went downstairs, washed his hands, cracked his first beer down there, came up burping his head off like he usually did. And then, you know, we sat down at the table and the sibling spilled it all. So what I got was um, no dinner, which was quite typical for me because that happened often. Um, I had to go to bed and I was sitting there wondering what on earth I did wrong. I was just trying to hide the shame of the fact that my family could not support me, could not feed me, could not take care of me well. And I was a young girl. So in my frustration, what I did later on in school was I would uh, go into every sport that I possibly could, as I mentioned earlier. The adrenaline that I felt when I did sports washed away all the nasty stuff that ever went on in my life. When I was doing sports like basketball, volleyball, track, it didn't matter when I was doing those sports, nothing stuck to me. Nothing belonged to me. It was just me and the sport. When I used to race bicycles on road and on velodrome, the velodrome was the best for me. I mean, 
if you've ever seen an indoor bike race, go for it because it's the most incredible thing you will ever want to see. The skill, the talent, the love that we have for those sports is just unbelievable. I flew through the air and that is the best description I can give it. The first time I ever rode the track, I flew through the air and I was the happiest I had ever been in my life at that moment. Mind you, getting off the track, your your stuff faces you back again. But it was, for me, it was very interesting to learn the different ways that I could actually control my stress in some ways. I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but I knew it was making me feel better. I was uh, a fitness junkie. I had my bike, my track bike on a set of rollers at home in the basement through the winter. And I rode my track bike every day. I'd be down there staring at this bloody blank wall, riding for half an hour to an hour. And let me tell you, track bikes, if you're, you're riding a track bike, you can't stop them. There's no brakes. You don't stop them like you would a normal bike. There's a process that you have to go through to stop a track bike, but it's, it's the most freeing thing that there ever was in this world. And between doing that, I was doing gymnastics. I was doing all sorts of uh, fitness stuff. I was going to exercise classes. I would sit in the, go in the basement and just exercise my bloody head off because it was the only thing I could find to work out the aggression of what I was living with every day of my life. So sometimes, you know, it's so challenging to live with these things, live with the difficulties that other people are putting on us. The difficult situations like not being uh, able to, to voice your opinion about not hungry or I don't have any food or, you know, whatever the case may be. But if we can't, speak and are not safe in that environment to speak what good is it I lived in a home with my parents and I couldn't even say to them I'm hungry because I would have gotten a backhand across the head or across the rear end or I would have gotten his usual sense of punishment or sort of punishment when he'd been drinking heavily was to make me kneel on a piece of plywood that had beer bottle caps point nailed on it, pointed side up. Now for me, I had to kneel bare kneed because that made the punishment just that much more effective, you know? And, uh, and then they thought, oh, I'd never do that behavior again. Well, I don't know. In some ways, what they were creating was an individual who was growing a stubborn streak like nobody's business. I became defiant. I became, I questioned everything. I questioned, you know, why are you doing that? What do you hope to gain out of that? And maybe that's why I question so much now this day and age when I'm coaching is because I need to get at the nitty gritty of the situation. I need to get at what the individual is feeling, not just feeling, but thinking and saying or wanting to say and what was trapped with inside their body that they needed to get out at that point in time. And it's really, really important that your voice is heard. And I guess for me, the, the three biggest takeaways that uh, I could give you from living in a, a situation like that is 
know when to speak. The timing has to be right. And the people in that situation that you're going to speak to have to be right. See, I could have spoke to the teacher and he would have gone to the Catholic priest. So you can assume I went to a Catholic school and the Catholic priest and the teacher would have called my parents. And then I would have gotten double reamed out because the priest was now involved. And oh my gosh, the shame that the people felt when the priest had to step in was ridiculous. However, you know, so I could have been a little bit more choosy in who I spoke to. I could have asked to speak to a woman teacher, but I don't know where that would have got me at that point in time. I mean, we're talking the early 60s or late 60s, early 70s. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of help back then. <laughs> and uh, I think the, the second part was, would be to hold fast to your dreams. I know in the midst of all the turmoil, there are happy spots that happen. There are times in our lives, no matter how difficult they seem, that we will find a way through it. Always keep searching. Do your due diligence. Find a way that you can make your dreams come true. It's about you. This whole thing is about you. It's not about the other person. It's what you need, what you want, and what you deserve in your life. The third thing I might suggest is trust yourself first and foremost. Because when I was going through that type of a life then, I trusted no one. I thought I trusted a couple of people, but then I ended up finding out differently and it very closely just near destroyed me. And I was so beyond, you know, being able to be helped at that point, it was ridiculous. But I did not trust anyone for a very, very, very long time after that. And you know what? I had the ability to discern for myself what I wanted to do. I could make judgments on my own. When I grew up to be a teenager, I, I knew what I wanted in life. But then I fell back into old patterns and kind of destroyed what I wanted in life. It happens. It happens to us all. Life is a journey. Life is not something that we can just walk into and say, oh, I have this sorted out. I'm perfect at this. No, we're not. We all have to work at it just as hard as the next person. We all have things we want to get through just like the next person. We all have things we want to accomplish just like everyone else. So I guess I just wanted to touch base with you, let you know from a different perspective, from behind the mic perspective, I guess, of what it's like that I have gone through in my young life. Now I'll be doing these little segments here and there. And uh, as I do them, I'll get a little older each time. So thank you for listening to me. My name is Teresa Sims. I am the host of Powering Through Life. And I hope you enjoyed this segment. And if you did, please send me a message. I'd like to hear what you liked about it. And if you didn't like it, do you know what? I would appreciate a message from you too. Done in a kind, compassionate manner, of course. But 
tell me what you didn't care for. Thank you very much. And I look forward to listening to you and hearing you and seeing you the next time we do Powering Through Life. Take care.